Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open up your Bibles to Genesis? Genesis, that's an easy one, right? Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We'll be starting a series on relationship. Relationship series. And I know it was just Valentine's Day a couple of days ago. For some people, that's a great day. And for other people, you just say, ah, reminds me, I'm not, I don't have a Valentine or whatever the case may be. God cares about every single person. And uh, why are we doing a relationship series? I just want to point out the relevance of it, because I know that some might say, well, I'm not in a relationship, and, you know, Lord knows I may never be in a relationship, but you are in a relationship. Every single one of us are in relationship. Um, I recognize that there's many people when we talk about relationships that are unmarried, people who are divorced, people sitting here who are widows, people sitting here who maybe you're too young for a relationship, maybe you're too old for a relationship, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not, Everybody, everybody's, nobody's too old for a relationship. <laughs> Maybe you think you're too old for a relationship. But the reality is, everybody, you know, it's maybe relationships not even on your radar. That you just say, I don't even want to be in I've been in one, and uh-uh, I'm done with all that, <laughs> right? I'm over with. I asked my mom, my mom's 86 years old, my, my father passed away, my dad passed away 12 years ago. And um, I think it was about 12, maybe 13 years ago. And uh, I, I asked my mom every time I talked to her. I said, Mom, are you, are you dating somebody yet? David, Lord knows, I'm too old for all that. I said, no, I didn't say all that. I just said, are you dating somebody? <laughs> I said, Mom, I just want to know, is there anybody on the radar? There will never be a person on the radar. You just leave me alone about all that. I said, okay, Mom, I'm just telling you because, you know, I'm just, just checking in. But uh, you, wh- whatever case you may be in, relationships are important. Why? Because you do have family. You do have friends. You do have business relationships. You do have young people in your lives, old people in your lives, people that will ask you about relationships. People, relationships are really the, the, the thing that pulls our whole culture together. So relationships are very relevant. It's not just marriages. It's how we relate to one another. And God has a godly perspective on that. And so we're going to go over just some things. I'm just going to uh, intro. We're just going to do this for three weeks. Okay, we have three weeks, we're going to talk on relationships, and we started with, because Valentine's Day was a couple of days ago, we didn't necessarily start because of that, but it's kind of a good time. But in three weeks uh, after, on the third week, that night is when we're going to have a marriage uh, time, two hours, it's our uh, spring marriage time, we do it twice a year, so if you're married, and you're happily married, you'll want to sign up for that, okay? If you're not happily married, you'll want to sign up for that, <laughs> And if you don't really know, you'll want to sign up for that, okay? Because marriage is something that we always, always want to work on. Can we all say a big hearty amen today? Amen, okay. Marriage is really a key to our society. When the enemy wants to break down a society, what does he do? He breaks down a marriage. When he wants to break down families, what does he do? He gets in the marriage. A house divided itself against itself cannot stand. Your marriage, if you're married, your marriage is the most important relationship that you have in your life besides your relationship with the Lord. Anything that's worth 
Something is worth investing in it, and you have to invest in your relationship. But we, I have a great marriage. I have a great relationship. Yeah, but whatever is great, you have to continue to invest in it. You have to continue to invest in it. If you don't invest in your marriage, uh, it'll show the fruits of not investing in it. You have to continue to invest, especially uh, if it's healthy. If it's not healthy, you just have to invest in it. So make sure that, uh, that you continue to do that. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, Genesis 2, 18, all the way through 25. Let's read uh, this together. Ready? Read, in fact, would you read out loud with me together this morning? It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she has been taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let me pray this morning. Lord, we come before you as we start this relationship series for the next three weeks. You're the one who created relationships. You're the one who wants us to have healthy relationships. And we ask you to speak to us. Would you ask the Lord to speak to you individually? Lord, individually, any relationships that are in our lives, Lord. God, I speak over marriages, over families, over business relationships, over friend relationships. Speak to us and custom tailor your word, Lord, during this time and during this hour. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, so I want you to notice in verse 18, God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Now, I think every woman would kind of echo that. It ain't good when I leave my husband alone. <laughs> it ain't good for men to be alone. You ever seen, you ever seen what happens when a man's alone, right? I mean, <laughs> when Tiffany leaves, I remember when, when she first, you know, went out of town or went out and I was at home and I just thought, man, I can't even function. I feel all messed up, right? I'm calling her, hey, where's this? And I can't find the this and I can't do this. And how do you turn this on? And how do you do? And she's like, what do you need me for everything? Yes. <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. Man can mess some things up without, uh, without a woman. That's what God's saying. I mean, this is, this is right here in the beginning of the Bible. It's not good for man to be alone, okay? And, and the women say amen. All right. He says, but I will make him a helper that's comparable to him. I want to give you just three quick points on this. And number one is this, that God created us to live in relationship. God created us to live in relationship. I know that many times when we meet God and we bring God, we invite God into our lives and Jesus into our hearts to be our Lord and Savior, it could feel like it's just about you and God. 
and nobody else. It's just like, it's me and God. I don't need to talk about anybody else. Everybody else can just leave me alone. Some people feel that way. That's not true. God put you in a family. God put you in relationship with other people. And if you think that God's the only one you can get along with, but you can't get along with people, you're going to have some trouble on this earth. You, you're going to have to learn to get along with people. How many would say that they're going to have to? Yeah. We all have personalities. We all have things that we have to deal with. You have to deal with yourself. And so uh, he says, it's not good for man to be alone, but I'm going to make him someone. God created us to live in relationship. Now, in verse 18, he says, I will make him a helper that is comparable to him. Comparable to him. In the new NIV version, it says, I will make him a helper that's suitable to him. In other words, that kind of works with him and that, that fits him. In the New Living Translation, it says, I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Do you know that if you're married or if you know someone that's married, there God wants that person to be someone that's just right for you. In fact, the, uh, literally, it means I'm going to make him a counterpart. I'm going to make someone that functions with him, that flows with him, that cooperates with, uh, with him. And God said, I want to do this for you. Notice he didn't say it's not good for man to be alone, so figure it out all on your own. No, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he said, I'm going to make you a helper that's comparable uh, I'm going to make him a helper that's comparable to him. So point number one is that God created us to live in relationship. You need to know that relationship is not our concept, that God wasn't good enough, and so we came up with the idea of finding a spouse, and God kind of said, well, that's the one lust that you can have, or that's the one big desire you can have besides me, and I'll let you go ahead and do it. And you say, all right, I'll check this, check, try this out. No, no, God came up with the concept of relationship. But number two is that God knows who compliments you. Church, God knows who compliments you. Now you might say, what if I'm married to someone who doesn't compliment me? What do I do? Do I let this person go? In fact, I've had people that have come up to me and said, God told me to divorce my wife because I'm supposed to be with this person. I said, no, God didn't tell you to do that. No, because what God does is even if, even if you did uh, get married or you're in, in relationship or someone's in relationship that wasn't birthed the right way, God wants that to work out. And God wants marriages and God wants relationships to work out. God's not going to call you into something that's going to say, I, well, I, you know, I'm calling you to divorce or I'm calling you away. Now, there are situations that the Bible does give uh, for that, you know, uh, sexual immorality, there's abusive situations. There's some things that, are, that, uh, that you just don't need to stay in that relationship because it could really hurt you or kill you. It could be something bad. But can I tell you, if it's something that you just say, well, I just don't agree with them, so I don't want to, <laughs> well, <laughs> figure it out. You need to pray harder. You need to work it out. God knows who compliments you. God knows who compliments you. God knows who's a good counterpart for you. Now, there was not found a helper that was comparable to him or that complimented him. So what did the Lord do? It says in verse 21 that the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took out one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. I want you to notice what he did and it's kind of, you know, I mean, if you're like me, you look at that and say, what? He did what? I don't understand it all. You don't understand it all. But here's what you do know. Here's what we do know. 
that God took something out of man and made man, not having that peace, to desire that peace so that that peace coming back with man, there's something that comes back together. So, he, so he's saying, there's, I, couldn't find, I need to find someone that, that compliments him, so what I needed to do, take something from him, and then he's going to want that thing, and that thing's going to bring completion back to his life again. It's like if uh, you, know, you might have something in your life that someone takes from you, and then you're going to say, man, I, I don't know, why? I just need to get that back. Well, he took that rib. In fact, some people might feel that way about ribs. Take some ribs away from you, you say, I don't know. Go all out and get that back. Maybe that's why men like ribs. Okay, but he says here, there was not found a helper that was comparable for him, so what did he do? He opened up this man and he took out this rib, and he says in verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man, and Adam said, this now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Woman. Now, someone said the reason why her name is woman is because he said, whoa, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, he said, whoa, man. That's, that's I'm going to call her a woman, you know. But he says, he brought her, and notice that, <clears throat> notice that Adam named, who named all the animals? Adam. Who named the woman? Adam. Now, I'm not saying, ladies, don't throw anything at me. I'm not saying that women are an, an animal or anything like that. But I'm saying, Adam looked at her, and he said, she'll be called a woman. She's my counterpart. She's someone in my life. He says, she shall be called woman. She's flesh of my flesh, and she's bone of my bone. And it says, therefore, and the Lord gives this commentary on it, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What does that mean? It means from that point on, there's a magnetic pull toward man and woman. From that point on, there's a reason for a man to leave home and to go find his wife for the rest of your life. Even if they've given up on it, there's something that as soon as... I've, I've talked to people who said, I haven't dated somebody or I haven't had a relationship with somebody for many, many years. But then all of a sudden, there's a spark of someone's attracted to them, someone starts talking to them, and they think... Maybe this is something. Well, I thought you weren't interested. Well, I wasn't interested when I didn't think it was possible. <laughs> when I think it's possible, maybe I'm interested now, you know. But what he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Notice he pulled something out of man, and man, when he pulled it out, there was two things. There was his rib over here, and there was man without a rib. But he's saying now he came back together, and the two shall become, there's a completion. There's a wholeness. There's one flesh again. And it says, and they were both naked. Uh, my mom was from Texas, and she, all my life, she said, naked. You naked? Go get some clothes on naked, right? The, both of them were naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Well, why were they not ashamed? Because there wasn't all this stuff in the world that was going on. They were open with one another. There was an openness. God said it's not good for man to be alone, so God created us to live in relationship. Now, I want you to look at a, the book of Ephesians, because the book of Ephesians quotes this, and many times uh, I've, I've uh, officiated many wedding ceremonies, and every single wedding ceremony that I've heard refers to or quotes from this verse in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians, you know, was written to the church by the Apostle Paul, and it, it, this is talking about two different things. It's talking about the body of Christ. Uh, it's talking about the, the bride of Christ, should I say, and Jesus. 
and it's talking about a husband and his wife. And the, there's two scenarios that are going on in this passage, okay? So Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28, it says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. And I know some husbands say, why don't you start in verse 27? It says, wives, submit to your husbands, and then husbands love your wife. Well, because we're going to start in 28 today. We're just going to start right there today. Some, there's a lady that says, I've never seen some, a man start in 28 before, okay? So, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. I want you to notice something. What came out of a man? Part of his body. And then when man went to go find a wife and they came back together, what happened? There was a completion. There was something there together. There was something that complemented. He says, love your wives as your own bodies. He says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Let me tell you, and you might not understand it, and, and I don't think you can with your mind. If you're married, your wife or your husband that you're married to is you. It's you. It's not just you need to treat your spouse right because you need to love them sort of like yourself. No, they are yourself. There's a spiritual element that happens when you're one with them. You literally, there's, God joins the two together. We can't understand it with our mental mind. God joins the two together. And when you love your spouse the right way, it's like loving yourself. You actually love your spouse and you feel, there's feelings, there's, there's spiritual elements that are better when you're one with your spouse. I know that uh, the opposite is true as well, is that when you're in conflict with your spouse and things aren't right, you're maybe in conversation and things are just nasty and ugly and you've said things that you're not supposed to, I don't know about you, but you can't internally live with that and feel, you can't have and just flow in a good relationship with the Lord and there not be a good flow and relationship with your spouse. See, God made it to be something that there's a unity between you and between the Lord. And the Bible says that what God has joined together, let not man separate. Listen, the Lord has joined two people together so they become one flesh. Your relationship, if you're married, your relationship with your spouse is the most important relationship that you could ever have uh, besides your relationship with the Lord. But here on earth, it is your most important relationship. So he says, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Notice he gives a type of the Lord and the church. The Lord's not selfish with the church. The Lord prefers the church. I have a friend He's always, uh, he flies a lot and, and such, and he'd be on airlines, and so he'd, because he flies a lot, he'd get upgrades all the time. And uh, every once in a while, his wife would go on trips with him and such. But we'd always crack up because he always would love to get upgraded to business class or to first class, and he just, I mean, would, would love it. And so I was talking to him a while back, and I said, he said, yeah, I got upgraded to, um, to business cl class, and, and uh, we, had, you know, they had just had a baby. And he said, but then, you know, baby's crying and all that and it was just loud and I said well did it bother the rest of the people in business class oh no no it was back back in the back in coach and I said wait a minute your wife was back in coach yeah need to get some sleep <laughs> he was upgraded to business class he left his wife and the baby back in coach I said brother I don't know what kind of world you live in <laughs> that wouldn't happen in my that wouldn't happen in my house I'd be having to find new another room that night that doesn't happen. You know, it's not just because of the consequences that my wife would slap me upside the head, though she wouldn't. 
maybe not, but, but it is something that I love her. And I care about her that quite honestly, if we got upgraded, guess what I'm going to think? I'm going to walk up to my wife and say, you just got upgraded. Now, the bad side of it is I can't sit up there with you. I'm going to have to be there back and coach. You know, so that's, and then she'd come back and say, no, you know what? You, you, you know, you're taller and you're bigger. Why don't you go up front? And I'd say, no, no, baby, I think you'd like it. Why don't you go? And I'll tell you what it does. It brings joy in my heart to give preference right? And when she receives the gift, I'm back and squeezed back and go, you know, back here. But I feel good because maybe she's relaxed a little bit more. In other words, I nourished and cherished her as Christ of the church, but it brought more fulfillment in my heart. I'll tell you what would happen if I sat up front and she's back there the whole time. I'd feel bad about it, right? And I should. Why? Because I don't, because we're one. We're one. If you don't have that heart for your spouse, ask the Lord to heal that and to give you that heart. Well, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Well, they're a jerk. It doesn't matter if they're a jerk. Do it because the Lord, the Lord said to do it. We don't wait to obey the Lord until things work out. I said we don't wait to obey the Lord until things work out. We, no, we obey the Lord up front, and then he causes things to work out. Again, this isn't a marriage class. This is just a, 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 life, this is a life class with the body of Christ. Because do you know the Bible says that we ought to prefer one another like that? Not just our spouses. We ought to love one another like that. In other words, you come up to a door at the same time, right, and you see someone in front of you. What do you do? You should step back and open the door for them. Yeah, but they, they expect that. I, if they didn't expect it... I, you know what? It's not about them. It's about you. And I think that the culture of love is the culture of the kingdom. We're talking about relationships, not just with your spouse, but with, with the body of Christ, with your brothers and sisters, with people that we walk into church and we see someone hurting. We have to hurt. We see someone lacking. We have to lack. We see someone in a bad place. We're in a bad place. Right? Because why? Because God, that's how God's called us to be in relationship. He nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And I know that I'm so glad that the Lord nourishes and cherishes me. Hearing those tender words of the Lord to my heart at times is what breaks me. It's what humbles me. I know there's that, that, uh, that song, You're a Good, Good Father. That's who you are. And it says, when I, you know, some say you're like this. He said, but I hear those, that tender whisper of love. And so many times I'm in a place in my life and I just hear the tender whisper of the Lord that says, I love you. I'm on your side. Why are you praying to me like, like you're trying to convince me? I'm already so far on your side. I already so far love you. That's how the Lord does the church. That's how he is with the church. He loves us, and that's how we ought to be with one another. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, so God knows who compliments you. I want you to notice who, he, who compliments you is someone that is a part of your life, okay? It's part of your life. Now, here's one of the things uh, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I know that many of us know this verse. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, was this written to the church? Corinthian church? Yep, okay. So he's writing to believers. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be 
connected with unbelievers in a partnership way. Don't be yoked with them. That could mean in marriage. That could mean in business. That could mean in, in a relationship that you're in partnership together. He's saying if you're yoked together, what's a yoke? Well, on oxen, they would put something. If there's two oxen and they wanted them to go in unity together and to plow a field together, they'd put a yoke and they'd link the two together. And they'd say, we're going to move in the same direction and we're going to get more focus and productivity and strength. When one's trying to veer off, both of them have to veer off, but they'll pull one another on course and they'll move forward together. If you're yoked with someone whose heart is not with the Lord, then the way you make decisions is different than the way they make decisions. The way they make decisions is by reasoning and pros and cons. They may be the smartest business people that you know. They may be the most productive and the richest. They may be someone who's on top of the world. But let me tell you, when you say no, God wants us to do it this way, and it may not make sense. They'll say, well, I can't go that direction. You're unequally yoked. You're, you can't. So either you're going to pull them to the right way, or they're going to pull you off course. So what does he say? He says, do not be unequally yoked together with <coughs> unbelievers. Can you say the word unbelievers? He says, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Three things. And what communion has light with darkness, is saying, how do you even have conversations that flow in the same direction? How do you even flow together if you have two different directions? You know, uh, Tiffany and I, we've been married for 20-some years, 20, not 20-some years, 21 years almost this next month. And uh, I couldn't imagine the way that I just think and operate, I would frustrate the heck out of someone on an hourly basis who didn't know the Lord. They would just say, you're, you're, you're nuts. Not that you're not smart. Not that you're not the most handsome man I've ever seen. <laughs> but you'd frustrate me. Why? Because we process things differently. We, when, when I come up with a challenge, I pray about it. I ask God about it. Right? And if someone didn't know the Lord, they wouldn't even, they would say, you're crazy. I don't even know what you're, what you're talking about. Right? He says, what fellowship, how can you even flow together and fellowship together? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord, notice the word accord, accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement, he just keeps asking these questions like, what in the world are you? What in the, you know, listen. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now he's saying why? Because you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will, notice, I will dwell in them and will be among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now listen. If you have God that's not just living in you, but he's dwelling in you, he's speaking to you, he's leading you, he's guiding you. God says, watch out because your partnerships, you're partnering me with people who don't even know, believe in me. People who don't even know me. People who don't walk that way. Just make sure. See, God doesn't see it as you coming into relationship with someone. He sees it as you and God coming into relationship with someone. That's the way the Lord sees it. That's why when someone says, I'm dating an unbeliever. Someone who doesn't know God. Or even worse, 
When I'll ask someone, so you're dating someone, are they a believer? I think so. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think, what do you mean you think so? Have you asked them? I haven't asked them. You've been dating eight months? You haven't asked them? Wait a minute. How does your relationship with the Lord coincide with your relationship with that person? You haven't even talked about the Lord with that person? Well, no, we talked about the Lord, but you know, like, like the Lord's all good, and he's over here. No, but the Lord says here, when he's talking about this, notice. He says, you're the temple of the living God. God dwells in you. He says, and as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. Listen, when we walk, God looks at it like you're walking with me. We're walking together. So if you're dating somebody, they're dating God too. He's right in the middle of that relationship. Same thing with business. There's people who are some of the smartest business people I've ever met, but they're not godly. They, they, don't, they don't believe God. And they've said, hey, have you, have you considered maybe getting into a relationship, uh, maybe doing something together, a partnership together? And I just said, well, no, no, I don't think I can do that. And I didn't want to tell them because I don't want to, you know, put them down or anything. But I just couldn't, you couldn't get into partnership. I can't get yoked. No, it's not that I want to associate with them, love them, care about them. They're friends. They're, they're, they're people that, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. We, we, need, to, we need to not cut ourselves off from people but you can't be in partnership somebody say amen is this the word you can't be yoked with someone why because at some point there's going to be a divide now but everything's good that's because you haven't disagreed yet disagreement is what tells all right remember in Luke chapter 6 the one built his house on the sand one built his house on the rock and the houses both looked good until the storm came when there was conflict conflict told on your decisions and can I tell you, marriages look great. We're a happily married couple. She's this and I'm this and we're just, but everything's good. We've never got into a fight and we've been together for three years. You will. You will. And what's going to happen is you're going to, something's going to decide how you make decisions and process things and how they make decisions and process things. And either you're going to compromise or they're going to compromise. So what does the Bible say? So what to do instead? Just don't get into all that. Just find someone who loves God like you love God. Well, what, what about missionary dating? <laughs> what's that? I date them to get them saved. <laughs> you're not doing that, are you? Yeah, missionary dating, right? You, they're, they're, not, they're not believer, but I'm going to date them, and because they're going to date, you know, God in me, I'm going to get them saved. No. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. That doesn't mean that you can't be around them. But I'll tell you what, I've heard of, of examples of several examples where a young gal has told a, a young man, I can't date you because you're not a believer. Well, why not? Well, because the Bible says not to get yoked with someone who's not a believer. So it, either you need to become a believer, make Jesus. Why do I do that? I'll do it right now because <laughs> I want to date you, right? <laughs> okay. And then bear fruits worthy of repentance, right? Keep your hands to yourself until we get married, right? So I better just move right on from there, okay? <laughs> Some of you are saying, man, you know, that's, that's pretty harsh, yeah, I didn't write this. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church. So let me tell you, your life will be, you can fight against this, but I can't tell you how many marriages I've sat down and, and talked with, and it was because they didn't do it the way of the word.
And then if you don't do it the way of the word, you're going to come back and bear the results uh, of that and go against that. So he says, what accord has Christ with Belial? He says, because I'm going to walk with him. Now, in verse 14, he says, again, I'm going to make you, or he says, don't be unequally yoked together. Unequally yoked together. I want to remind you that God said he wants to make you a counterpart. He wants to make you someone suitable for, for you. I'm talking about marriages, but again, I'm talking about relationships in your life. That if you want to stay in a good flow in walking the ways of the Lord in your life, you're going to have to be in relationship with people who are thinking the ways of the Lord. And if you need to pull them in that direction, pull them in that direction. But don't sit and think that you're not going to be affected by their counsel or by their words. I'll make you a counterpart, somebody who flows with you. Verse 15, he says, what accord has Christ with Belial? In the New Living Translation, it says, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? <laughs> Listen, what harmony? Now, I'm, I'm a musician, and I've had a music background, and so all of my life has been, there's almost, you know, many, many conversations are about about tone, then about harmony, about flowing together. But so when I hear this about accord or harmony, he says, what harmony can Christ have with the devil? Now, do you know what it's called when there's, when there's two notes that don't, that don't uh, sound together, they don't sound right? Like this. Is that harmony? Okay, is this harmony? Yeah, that's, that's two, and then listen, there's three, right? Well, listen to this. Is that harmony? So he's saying, why do you think you're going to produce something beautiful when you're not in harmony? And you're trying to make it sound, in fact, you're trying to, there's a whole thing in music where there's atonal music, which means it doesn't have a central tone, and you're just like, well, anything flows with anything, and quite honestly, if you listen to it enough, you start getting used to it. And that's what happens when people are in dysfunctional relationships, dysfunctional marriages. It's just like that weird kind of music that I used to have to study in these classes. And I'd go, eventually, I mean, at first I thought I was going to need to take psychiatric drugs if I keep listening to this. And then after a while, it starts to sound normal. But now when I've been off it for a long time and I go back to listen to it, I think, it didn't, didn't blend. Well, this is what he's saying. What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? Now, you, you can listen to it long enough and, and deal with that conflict in your heart, and eventually you're like, well, I guess this is just going to have to be this. He says, and how can a believer partner with a, an unbeliever? How can a believer? You base your decisions on two different things. Now, I want to to go to one more passage, and that's in Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4 is written by Solomon, wisest man in the world besides Jesus. Verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4. What are we talking about today? We're talking about relationships relationships, relationships that we have. He says in verse 9, two are better than one. Can you say it out with me? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. They, they, they cooperate. They work together. For if they fall, if one of them falls, one's going to lift up his companion. But woe to him who's alone when he falls. Say that with me. Woe to him who's alone when he falls. I always think of that commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up, right? Yeah, so get life alert. If you don't have a partner, get life alert, okay? You need to make sure to have that thing on you so that you can click it because they didn't have life alert back in here when they wrote this, okay? Woe to him who's alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up, 
right? Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can be one be warm alone? Well, you know, they had life alert in the first. The second one's called electric blankets, right? You can get yourself an electric blanket, I guess, and that could work that thing out too, right? There's, other, there's workarounds, but what he's saying is, listen, on a regular basis, if you fall down, you're going to want someone who's right there to help you up. If you get cold, you're going to need someone who's there to warm you up. If your heart gets cold... You're going to need someone to come and rub you on the back or touch your shoulder and just say, it's going to all be okay. Do you know there's people like that in church? There's people like that in church that you'll walk in and you're having a rough time and they'll just walk up and give you a hug or walk up and just say, hey, I was thinking about you and it's all going to be okay. And the Bible says that's why it's important to come together. Why? So that you're encouraging and loving one another. Woe to him who's alone. Don't try to do this life on your own. He says, again, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. And then verse 12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. In other words, you're fighting a battle. Make sure not to fight the battle alone. When Jesus sent them out into the world, he sent them two by two. But then he goes on and says this, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. He's saying, make sure that you're not alone in it. See, for some of you, it might just be you and God, and that's great. But listen, if, you have, if you're in a relationship, a threefold cord, there's a twofold cord can easily just come unraveled. But there's something about three, whether you're braiding hair, braiding a rope, braiding whatever. When you have two, there's a strength. A threefold cord binds things together tightly. And what is he saying? A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I know he doesn't uh, allude to this or say this. this is in the Old Testament, but two are better than one, but woe to him who's alone. A threefold cord is not quickly bro broken. Now, I know the cord is talking about strength, because like a rope, but when I think of cord, what did I tell you? I'm a musician, so I think of cord. What is a cord? It means three notes together, three notes together. Two notes are strong, three notes are, are, are powerful strength. See, for some, you know, it's like this, Th this right here, that's a one and a five, okay? And wherever you do it on the keyboard, right? That's a strong chord. But I'll tell you what, a third chord, listen, a third chord brings definition to it. Or major, minor, right? They make different chords. A diminished, right? Major, augmented. They make different, see, you, you can't get into all those those different kinds of chords, majors, minors, augmented, diminished, and those things until you get into three. Until you get into three. Can I tell you, if you will be linked up, I'm not just talking about marriage, I'm talking about relationships. If you'll be linked up with the, the ones that God wants you to, it's gonna make something beautiful. And you may think, well, we can do it right now. Yeah, but it, it, it'll be lacking. And it won't lack because you won't really know what it was supposed to be like. But it will be lacking a threefold chord is not quickly broken. Uh, can someone come up here and play a three-fold chord for me while I'm finishing this up? You've heard of the term, we make beautiful music together, right? We make beautiful music together. What, what are they saying? We complement one another. We flow with one another. This is the way God wants you and I to do in our relationships. He wants us to complement. It's not just about you and God. It's about you and God and who you're in partnership with. God, and this is point number three, God wants to be at the center of your relationship. God wants to be at the center of your relationship. Number one, 
I said that God created us to live in relationship. Number two is that God knows who compliments you. But number three is God wants to be at the center of your relationship. God wants relationship that he's in the center of so that he can blend your sounds together. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.